Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Uh, keep your Bibles handy and open to that passage in Habakkuk. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. You can pronounce it however you like. I'm going with Habakkuk, although that may change as the sermon progresses. Uh, you know, you got your Bibles. So I got my notes. Yeah. Oh, geez, a lot. It's a long one. No, just kidding. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we just ask for your help this evening as we look at this part of your word to us. Please correct and strengthen and guide and shape us. And uh, Father, please give us soft hearts and open ears to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, faith. Faith is a word that's bandied a lot, around a lot nowadays. I think I heard it already about seven or eight times this, this evening so far. I'm not sure that everyone means the same thing by the word faith, even amongst uh, Christians, inverted commas. Uh, is an eye-opener for you to get you thinking. Uh, we had a, a national census about four years ago, and there was a question included about people's religious faith or religious belief. And uh, the question, uh, people respond to that, of course. Now, here's the stat that came out of that. I wonder if you might want to think about what percent of Hawkesbury residents do you think would call themselves Christians? And what percentage of Hawkesbury residents would, would have ticked the box that said, I identify myself as Christian? Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, no, not quite, but not far off, 66%. Uh, that is two-thirds of the residents of the Hawkesbury thought uh, of themselves as Christian. So what is with that? Um, could that be right? I mean, maybe it is right. I, you know, faith is in the heart, isn't it? I mean, who am I to say who is and who isn't? Uh, who am I to say that two out of every three people in our area aren't Christians? Uh, Somehow that stat just doesn't seem right, though, does it? So, you know, maybe there's a problem with the idea of faith here. And so you've got to ask the question, what is faith anyway? And how do I, I get a handle on a, a word that's a bit nebulous and used in all different sort of ways? And if faith is about, you know, what happens after you die, as many people uh, would, would say it is, then does it really matter now? Um, and I guess on a more personal note, what might we look for as evidence of genuine faith in our own lives? Well, this passage that we've just heard from the book of Habakkuk talks about faith in a way that's actually picked up three times in the New Testament, including most famously in uh, Romans. And so we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to look at, in Habakkuk, in God's word, three hallmarks of genuine faith. And they are faith looks, faith waits, and faith shapes. So first of all, faith looks. Faith looks to God for answers. So let's have a listen again to verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Now, as Kevin uh, has already introduced the book to us, uh, last week we, we heard and saw that the prophet Habakkuk struggling to accept how a holy and righteous God could use a nation as vile as the Babylonians to punish Israel. 
But what we see here in verse 1 is that rather than, you know, trying to figure that out himself or going around and asking all his mates uh, or uh, looking up on uh, Google or on his phone or whatever it is they did in those days, uh, we see Habakkuk stations himself on the ramparts, on the city wall, in, in the watchtower. Uh, he's actually moved away from all those other voices uh, and he's gone to hear and to see what answers God gives to his complaint. Uh, and so uh, faith looks to God for answers. It's a little bit like computers, really, when you think about it. Um, you know, a few months back, my PC corrupted and uh, I couldn't open any of my PDF files at all, which was a major pain. And so being the tech wizard that I am, I, I did everything. I turned it off and turned it on again. And then I turned it off and turned it on again. And then just to try, you know, third time's a charm, I turned it off and turned it on again. So like I said, I tried everything to get my computer working properly again. Now, thankfully though, I happen to know a guy who is actually really good with computers. And so I called him and I asked for his advice. And sure enough, after trying a few things, uh, we got it going again. Now here you go, why did I go to him for answers? Well, I went to him because when it comes to computers, I trust him. I have faith in him, if you like. Now, this guy that I know is uh, very good compute with computers, but he's certainly not the god of the universe. And uh, life, of course, is much more complex than any computer you might happen to own. But thankfully, God's knowledge and wisdom are infinitely higher than ours. And faith recognises that. And so faith looks to God for answers on all sorts of questions and all sorts of issues in our lives. But where do we go to hear God speak? Should we, like Habakkuk, go and find a wall somewhere on the edge of Pitt Town and go and stand there and wait for God to answer us? Uh, do we wait and for God to speak to us in a dream? And we might do that. Uh, well, no. We go to our Bibles, don't we? We go to where God speaks to us today by his spirit. Uh, we go to God's word. And that's why we call the Bible God's word, because it is God speaking to us today. And so that's where we go. That's where you go when you trust and go to God for answers. Now, is that true for you? Uh, do you listen to God's word? Or do you mostly just listen to your own? Is your Bible at home always an easy reach? Is your, if, it's, if it's your phone that you use, how often do you open that app on your phone? You know, is your Bible just sitting on a shelf somewhere uh, gathering dust? Because here's the thing, our Bible is not, this is not an ancient dead text as a lot of people think. Uh, God's word is living and active. Uh, God's word is the power through which God created the universe. God spoke and the universe came into existence. It is powerful. And God's word is still living and active and powerful. And it is powerful for saving, but it is also powerful for wisdom, for living. In a very complex world, that God's word addresses our problems and gives us answers. And so when we truly trust God, when we have faith in God, it is his word we look to for answers. Anyway, so Habakkuk has asked God for the answer to this dilemma. 
Now, in verses 2 and 3, uh, God prepares Habakkuk for the answer. And so here we find another hallmark of genuine faith. And that is, faith waits. Faith waits with confidence and with patience for God to fulfil his word. Let's read verses 2 and 3. The Lord answered me, Write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets, so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Now, that's a funny couple of verses to our ears, our modern day ears. When you first read them, it's kind of going, what's this all about? But So that, let me just help a little bit. And so I'm going to quickly point out five key things God is saying to Habakkuk about this vision, this word that he's about to speak to him. So first of all, Habakkuk is told to inscribe it onto tablets deeply and clearly. Now, the word tablets there is like the same word as is used for the... Uh, the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone for the Ten Commandments. So this, the reason for that is that this is a word that is for all people and for all ages. This is a word that must endure uh, even to this day and beyond. Secondly, this is a word about the end. Now, Habakkuk probably heard about heard what he heard the end. He probably thought about that as being about the end of the Babylonians, the end of the Babylonian Empire, which, which, it, which it was, and that happened, you know, 80, 100 years later or so. But this idea of the end, uh, is a, it took, the Bible develops that into a language uh, which uh, be, is used to talk about the ultimate fate of all evil, that is, the end times, uh, the, if you like, the eschatological, that's a nice word, uh, the times when Jesus returns. Now, thirdly, this word is certain. So it's an important point. Just because something is not happening straight away, just because something is not happening in front of our eyes, doesn't mean that it isn't certain. And, of course, a very important part of faith is uh, it's believing what our eyes can't see right now. So Habakkuk must be confident, certain, in God's word. Fourthly, this word or vision will be fulfilled at a certain time. Now, what time is that? Well, that is going to be whenever God has appointed it to happen. And so, fifthly, as a result of that, Habakkuk and we must wait for it to happen. And waiting, of course, requires patience. So there's five thoughts from those two verses. Now, if we put all this together... How might we sum that up? Well, we can sum it up in this way. God speaks into the messiness of our world. But faith means we must wait with confidence and patience for God's word to be fulfilled. Now, we all have messes in our lives. We all have things that we would love for God to fix. Uh, I, I, you know, and preferably right now would be good. Today, today would be great. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I know, you know, having been around church for a little while now, I know that people come to church, and I mean, not that you need to even have a smiley face now because you're covered, but if you were, if you didn't have the mask, you know, people come and they put on a front, but your life can be falling apart. Now, you come in here and you sit and with that look, but but 
in behind all that, your life can be falling apart. We can be dealing with big messes and little messes, but really we're always dealing with some sort of messes. Sometimes in the middle of these messes, we really feel like God has abandoned us. Uh, we can really feel that he's not hearing our prayers. We really can feel that he's not holding up his end of the deal, that he's not being true to his word. Now, of course, as an example, one mess we share at the moment is uh, the whole COVID thing, and that, that has impacted our church as well, of course. And so here we are with... Uh, we can't sing together and we've got, you know, reduced numbers and, you know, we've all got masks on and all that and we can't mingle and we can't all hang around and have supper together and all that. And that's all, you know, it's all a bit disheartening really, isn't it? Um, I just want to get a spare thought. This has been going for about, what, not, not quite a year yet? And that seems a long time. And just to give, just a thought here... Uh, you know, spare a thought for those who were born, you know, a bit over 100 years ago, a few generations before us, uh, early 20th century. What did they live through? Well, <laughs> they lived through World War I, and then they lived through the Spanish flu epidemic, uh, and then they lived through the Great Depression, and then they topped it off with World War II. So, you know, 30 years of heartache and misery. 30 years, that is a long time to endure that sort of, of world. Uh, you know, how would your faith in God hold up if we had to keep doing this for the next 30 years? Well, faith means holding on to God's good promises with patience and confidence, even when things are a mess right now. And so, yes, there's a lot of bad stuff in the world, and yes, there's diseases and wars, and uh, yes, you, many of you may well be going through some personal issues at the moment, and maybe you're in a dark place, and maybe you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But God has promised to fix up the mess, to right the wrongs, to bring peace and to bring justice, and God has even promised to end suffering and death. They are amazing promises and he has promised these things and he has set a date for all these things to happen, for all your messes to be sorted out, basically. You know, maybe for some of our messes it's going to be next week that it gets sorted out, but maybe some of these messes are not going to be sorted out until Jesus returns. And we don't know when Jesus is going to return. They haven't, he hasn't told us that, but we do know that Jesus is coming. And so when we pray, we, we, we believe that we pray, your kingdom come. So we don't know when, but with faith, we wait with patience and confidence for God's word to be fulfilled. All right. But faith, of course, is not just about the future. Faith, when it is the real, genuine article, also has a huge impact on us today. Because faith shapes. Faith shapes. That is, what you truly believe actually shapes how you live. Let's have a look at verses 4 to 5 together. Look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity. But the righteous one will live by his faith. Moreover, wine betrays 
An arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and like death he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself. He collects all the peoples for himself. So what's, what's happening here is in verses 4 and 5 is basically God is doing a character assassination on the Babylonians. Okay, the Babylonian Empire and the Babylonians as individuals. So the individual and the nation, as it were. And so what has he got to say about the Babylonian? Well, God says the Babylonian is arrogant, egotistical, self-important. He's making up his own rules of right and wrong. He's been deluded by wine, intoxicated and deluded by wine and uh, by implication by the pleasures of this world. And so he's enslaved by them. And because he's enslaved, he's never at rest. He's never satisfied with all that he has. And he is as greedy as Sheol, that is, he's as greedy as the grave. You, graves keep getting filled and every day more graves get, keep getting filled. The grave consumes lives endlessly. And so it is with the Babylonians. As a nation, they just can't stop consuming other nations. And as a people, they have no regard for anyone but themselves. Now, that is a, a pretty neat and comprehensive study uh, uh, summary of what shapes the life of a faceless society or a faceless individual who, for the most part, ignores God and lives their lives their own way for themselves and for this world. But there is another way to live. And there it is in verse 4, the life that is shaped by faith. God says here in verse 4 that the righteous, that is, those who are truly right with God, will live by faith. What does that mean? Well, the New Testament picks that verse up three times. <coughs> Excuse me, in Romans 1.17 that we heard earlier, and in Galatians 3.11, and again in Hebrews 10.38. And each time we various variations and nuances, it clearly proclaims faith in Jesus as the only way of salvation. That is, uh, only by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus can we be saved from God's final judgment uh, and instead get to live forever in heaven with him. It is Jesus who is, therefore, the object of our faith. But that word righteousness... Again, it's a bit of a tricky word, uh, but for our purposes, righteousness is a bit like a coin with two sides. Uh, on one side is uh, faith, but on the other side of righteousness is obedience. So faith being that we, through faith, uh, Jesus' righteousness is given to us because okay, Jesus lived a sinless life, and so our righteousness before God comes from him. Otherwise, you can't go to heaven for the holy God if you're a sinful person but with Jesus' righteousness, okay? So that's one side. On the other side is obedience. Righteousness does also mean living in a way that honours and pleases God. Now, let me just clear the air here. We are not saved by obedience. Uh, you know, you're a rebel, I'm a rebel. You know, we're all rebels. We all deserve hell. Only Jesus can save us. You can be quite clear about that. But 
if we trust in Jesus, then surely we will truly, uh, we would not just trust in him, but we will trust in what he says to us. If you trust somebody, you trust their word to you, don't you? And so that means that we do what he says. And obedience is just a fancy way of saying we do what someone says. So let's say, for example, you said to me and came to me and you said, Terry, I've got this surefire investment tip. Uh, I give you my word that if you do what I say, uh, I can get, you can triple your money in six months. So do you trust me? Now I could say how I, that I trust you. Yes, yeah, sure, mate, I believe you. But how will you know if I actually really trust you? I'd do what you say. I'd obey you, wouldn't I? Now in the same way, real faith means doing what God says in his word. That is, taking God's word in, but not just taking it in, but living it out. Living it out. Living for Jesus, as I think we're going to sing a little bit later. Now, this is not some namby-pamby, you know, pretend lip service kind of face that doesn't actually affect the way that I live out my life or the choices I make or, um, you know, the priorities I set. You know, this is an obedient life that comes from faith. It is a turning away from our worldly passions and it is a humbling ourselves before the word of God. It is trusting that his way of living is the best way. That is a life that is shaped by faith. And that's why I find it very hard to believe that two-thirds of people in the Hawkesbury are Christians, genuinely. But what about you and what about me? Don't worry about everyone else for the moment. Is your life shaped by faith in God? You know, apart from Sunday, uh, does your life differ, differ in any real and tangible way from the, from the lives of your friends and your relatives and your family, the people, your workmates, the people around you? What, what, what do you talk about? What do you think about? What sort of priorities? New Year, what, what, what plans do you have for these, this new year? Are your plans for this year shaped by faith? These are the sort of questions that God wants us to ask ourselves. And so here's the big idea then. The one I really want us to, to then hear about and think about, trying to pull all of this together, you know, genuine faith, saving faith, if you like, faith that means you are truly right with God, is a faith that looks to God's word, that waits confidently and patiently for the future, for that word to be fulfilled, and is lived out every day in humble obedience. And the object of that faith is Jesus. And so, you know, my hope and my prayer for those of you who are sitting here thinking, you know, maybe I, maybe you'd think about it, maybe I don't have that sort of faith. Maybe the evidence isn't there that that, that is where my trust is placed. Maybe I am living for this world and not for Jesus. And, and maybe it's because you don't know Jesus yet. You know, he's a really trustworthy guy. You've got to get to know him. Uh, one way you could do that, of course, is to do the Introducing Jesus course. That would be a great way to get to know Jesus because we find Jesus in the Bible. We can't walk into, him, walk into him in the street in that sort of way that you could 2,000 years ago, but he's still 
here. We can still talk to him. We can still hear all about him and come to know him through God's word. Anyway, and I'm hoping that if that's you, then you'd have lots of questions, but that ultimately that you would come to believe in him the way that many of us here do and to trust him with your life. But for the rest of us, for those of us who do have that sort of faith, uh, my prayer uh, for this year is that we would continue to grow uh, but in, in, in our knowledge of God and in our love of God um, and uh, in our trust in our Lord and Saviour Jesus. And, and I think as a result of that, the fruit of that that you would see, would that you would see us or, or we would see you living less for this world and more for Jesus and eternity to come.